and welcome. This is Megan Chappell with Travel Radio Podcast. I am so pleased to have an interesting topic to talk about today, which we'll get into in a minute. It is currently October 17th. This will air next Monday. And I just want to read the last review that I received on iTunes, which I'm always thankful for because it helps the podcast show up higher in the ratings and then other people can find the content also. So thank you very much. Thanks go to Susie's Art. It says, Dreaming of Travel, five stars. I love this podcast. It is a great resource for me as I don't have time to plan travel with my family and work life. I find travel options I didn't know existed and professionals to make it happen. And one out of one listener found it helpful. So thank you, Susie Art. Now, today on the program, I am pleased to have Steph Lee with me. Thank you, Steph, for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. I'm so excited. Yeah, I I listen to your podcast also, which is excellent. And why don't you introduce yourself and you can mention your podcast also. Sure. So I'm Steph Lee. I'm the founder of a website called Host Agency Reviews, which is a business-to-business, think of it as like a Yelp in the travel industry world for travel professionals. Yep. And then I also have the podcast Travel Agent Chatter, which is where I talk with um, different travel agents really in depth about their business and how they got started and, you know, kind of some of their booking secrets. So you can go ahead and search that on iTunes and, um, I'd love it if you take a listen. So, Sure. And so the difference being this one is kind of for consumers to connect with travel professionals that are doing unique, unique things. Steph's podcast is something more like you're a travel professional already, and maybe you're looking for tips and tricks and how to improve your business and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, there we go. So Steph, what topic are we going to be talking about today? Oh, my favorite. Cold weather. Cold weather. <laughs> Not everyone's favorite. <laughs> I know. It never is, actually. So I was so excited that you were like, that's a great idea. I like that. <laughs> yeah, well, last year, so do you know an app called Open Snow? It's an- I don't think so. Okay, so it's in the App Store, both Android and on your iPhone, iOS, whatever that is. And the guy who founded it, um, his name is Joel Grath. Very good friends growing up uh, all the way through high school. And then, you know, we're still friends. But all that to say, he is was always interested in weather, always interested in skiing. And he is now a skiing meteorologist. And he has these this app that's integrated into all the cameras and all the ski resorts and in towns all across America and the world. And if you're looking for snow, you can find it on this open snow app. So that episode, I mean, it, I, I don't know, it might be quadruple what the average listenership is though. So whereas cold weather is not the average person's go-to destination when they take their, you know, hard to come by vacation days, the people who Mm -hmm. do take it are fanatical about cold weather. So I think this will be a good episode. And also because it, you're... It's going to be fun. Yeah. So let's get into it. Um, I took a Twitter survey because I'm all about Twitter and I'm glad that you're on there too because not, I mean, a lot of... Tr- I just, I don't know. I feel like... Me, I don't know why people are leaving Twitter. I guess because Facebook is like the family place and Twitter's like yeah. the business place. Well, and Twitter, you, I mean it's a dedication. Like you, in order to interact on there, things are flying by so quickly. So fast. Yeah. You really have to be dedicated. 
Yeah. And okay. So anyway, I, I love Twitter these days more than Facebook. So, but I just started a new handle for the podcast, which is travel radio pod. I am on there as Chapa travel. So travel radio pod, there's like 91 people hanging on there. So if you want to come and engage, that would be exciting to me because it's a little bit like crickets. However, (laughs) on my other handle, my personal handle, I did a survey um, and it, and this is how it said, this is how I phrased it. Okay. For adventure travelers, do you go someplace hot or cold? And I didn't put for the leisure traveler because nobody's hanging out in a bikini in Alaska. Uh, so, mm-hmm. well, I, I guess that's not actually true. I have a friend that lives there and I often see pictures of her in a bikini and I don't know what's happening there, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> so the question was adventure travel. Do you go place someplace hot or cold? And these are the options. Hot, let the temps rise. Cold, mittens on. Temperate, 73 is perfect. Out of 154 people, do you want to guess what the percentages were on who said hot, cold, and temperate? 100% for cold. (laughs) (laughs) It's obvious. (laughs) It's obvious. Well, um, 51% said temperate. 22% 22% said hot and 27% said cold, which I really thought hot was going to win. Me but, too. That's great to hear. Yeah. So, I mean, there, I mean, but you know, anyway, cold at least beat hot. So there you go. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So, um, let's talk about why cold weather destinations appeal to you. Uh, well, I don't like being warm. So I'm from Minnesota mm-hmm. and, um, born and bred. And I've just always loved cold weather. You know, everyone in Minnesota is always complaining about the snow and the cold. And, you know, people hear the travelers when you say like, oh, I, I went to insert any cold weather destination Yeah. on my vacation. They're like, what? Like everyone goes to, you know, Mexico or the sure. Caribbean or they'll go on a cruise. And so um, I've always just really loved the cold weather. I'm a big cross country skier. Mm. Um, and so I, that's, that's part of the reason is I, I'm always out in the winter and I, I have this fascination with polar bears. I think they're snuggly. I know they're <laughs> killers. I was going to say, and man eaters. Uh, so that's cool. <laughs> yes. I, I understand that I need counseling and that this is not a, a true vision of what polar bears Listen, are. Listen, I was in Africa and I had a friend pleading with me, pleading with the guy who was driving the safari to let her out because she was sure that she could snuggle with a lion and not get eaten. And uh. And then I accidentally like shot putted my camera out because the car was out of gear. Like the Matatu was a, I don't know, like open top safari truck. And she's like, oh, let me be the one to get it. And they were like, you're crazy. And they had this telescoping camera pole and that's how they got it back. But I mean, it's people want to snuggle with these furry and ferocious wild, animals. Wild, wild animals. They are wild, <laughs> carnivorous animals. <laughs> yeah. They want to snuggle with you. In their mouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what has your top cold temperature trip been? Um, I Well, I'll go ahead. It kind of ties between, um, I've gone to Alaska a few times, mm-hmm. and that was way up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really think my number one cold weather trip was when I went to go see, to the polar bear capital of the world, so mm. Churchill, Manitoba. Mm. Um, 
that was, it, it's really funny because the town's in the middle of nowhere and there's, there's not a whole lot to do. Um, and you're like, we went in October, um, when the, when the polar bears are kind of waking up from their hibernation. So it's oh. that's like their busy time of the year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's really nothing to do besides go look at polar bears, but it was like so thrilling for me when I saw my first like polar bear out in the wild. I mm. thought it was like having a heart attack. So how close did you get? Well, not as close as some of the other people in the lodge um, that okay. went on a, a different tour. <laughs> like he has pictures of, so there's these really, like some people, the polar bears will come up to the tundra buggies and, you know, put their two paws up. Oh my gosh. Um, and so you're not allowed to like stick your, you know, head and arms out the tundra buggy window. But um, like there's a lot of professional photographers up there. And yep. one of the people, we were back at the lodge in the evening and he was showing us his pictures and I was so jealous because ours, they weren't super close. They were maybe probably the closest. Well, okay, let me back up because we, we had, and, and this for the listeners is I guess why you would use a travel professional because my, my friend that booked it used the travel agency for one day and then booked on their own the other day. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting uh, comparison of the experiences. So the, the legit one, the Lazy Bear Lodge was where we took their tundra buggies out. Um, and the, the closest we probably got was maybe like 30 feet. So it was still really close. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you'd see Arctic foxes running by. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was really beautiful. Um, but then I don't even know the name of the other tour we went on because he pulled up in a, uh, Subaru Outback. No, no, that would have been nice. Um, <laughs> a, like a Dodge caravan, Uh-oh. uh, from like the 19, maybe early 2000s. So and it was like a step away from like a child molester van. Y- y- yes. Why and did it, you get you know, in? <laughs> well, I, I came out and I was like, is that our person? Because he was like sound asleep in the the driving thing, like leaning back, like snoring with his mouth open. And then we got in and... So the thing you learn, so when you're you're walking around Churchill, um, you can walk around everywhere, but they have the, um, I don't know, it would be the equivalent of like um, national park um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. rangers or something around the town that have, they carry um, shotguns that have things called bear bangers in them, which just make these loud noise. So they essentially like enforce the perimeters around the town. Gotcha. So there's these signs all over that are like, call this number if you see a bear. Mm. And like when the bears come into town, then they try to scare them away. And because they, you know, they can get, they can chase humans and they, you know, when you try to jump into a car for safety, like they smashed like a couple weeks before we were in town before we got there, they smashed like a hood of a, a vehicle when someone was down by the water and wow. a polar bear came. So I didn't feel very secure in this little minivan that we were in. And the the man looked less than professional, but we got in the car and then I was like, is anyone else coming in? And he was like, no, it's just you. And I was like, kind of uneasy. And we got really, really 
really close to polar bears. We went to places we shouldn't have. I honestly, I, I've never really been, I was always very adventurous. And I was like scared for my life, not because, partially because we were so close to the polar bears, but also because this man was taking us out like in the far reaches of the tundra where no one would hear you scream. And he turned on the, um, this classical music really, really loud. And I told him, I was like, I want to go back. And <laughs> as a Minnesotan, um, you, you don't usually like express, like you want to make people feel good. And so you don't say anything, but I was like, I am like super scared. And I was that like, I want really, to go back. I mean, it's scary, but it's really comical too. Like this is, is like hysterical. That's how I imagine like Hannibal Lecter preparing to like. It's what it felt like. Oh. So yeah, he eventually took us back because I was like almost in tears. I was so creeped out. But but it it was like I mean we got we were probably ten feet away from bears with like minivan. Oh my gosh! And he took us to these really weird places. I mean, so to an extent, he knew what he was doing, but I'm going to, like, you know, what if his van had broken down? Did he have backup? Um, Yeah, he was, he was a local and, but I mean, he was, he was also, uh, everybody else brings um, shotguns with them when they leave outside the, like, you know, you'll see people carrying them around town or you'll see them like when you go outside of town, you carry one. Sure. And then I asked him like if he had a shotgun and he was like, no, I don't believe in shotguns. Did he have bear bells? <laughs> like he didn't have anything. Like we were, we were going to get eaten by the bears. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to feed the bears, uh, my traveling companion. And then like take me and kidnap me somewhere. <laughs> Did he offer you bacon before you got in the car? That's a great question. You didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so let me ask you this question now. Uh, um, you were raised in a travel agency, correct? Yes. Yes. My, I grew up with a um, travel agency in our house. My mom started a home-based travel agency. Did your mom know that you, that your trip was booked this way? Uh, no, I don't think so. Like the problem when you're in the travel industry is everyone's always traveling. Right. And so you have no idea where anyone is and you're just like, oh, like they're off again. And, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, you have no idea. So. <laughs> okay. Lesson learned. Um, yeah. Okay. So this is pretty comical. And you, I mean, your mom's probably not going to hear this, but I'm sure she's heard that story before. So that's all right. I don't know if she has. <laughs> <laughs> All right, interwebs, don't share this with Stephanie's mom. I know. <laughs> so um, what about, um, what's next on your bucket list of travel for cold weather destinations? Are you going to hit one of these spots again? Well, I think I'd like, I mean, it'd be great to see the polar bears again, but there's there's so many things to see in the world. Like, I think if I were to go see them again, I would go see them up, um, like, over in Europe and sure. try kind of a different area, maybe that has better, better guides. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you know. Which, which isn't true. Churchill was great. Like yeah. the, when we booked with the legit organization, it was wonderful. <laughs> well, and I think more than anyone on the planet, you have more relationships rather than like ASTA or something. You know, many travel yep. agents, so you don't have an excuse now. <laughs> no, well I, well, I booked with a travel agent, like the person worked for a travel agency. Yeah. 
So I was I like they just were like, I'll just book it. And I was like, okay, cool. Okay. I didn't think anything of it, but oh my apparently gosh. they just decided to do like they worked in that um like in an accounting role or something. So uh-huh. They weren't actually travel agents, but they, for some reason, only booked fifty percent with the agency. <laughs> because this is exactly what happened. Because they were in department, they're into they were they were, they were bean counting. So they yes, said yes. that's exactly what happened. And and this is an example of you get what you pay for. I mean, at the same time, you got very close to polar bears, but you also probably almost died. So you know, huh, there's pros and yeah, cons. I pros think, and cons. I, I think any like any traveler would have been very, very uncomfortable. If I was uncomfortable yeah. and said something, most people would, you come away with a good story, but thinking as we live <laughs> through it. <laughs> yeah. So what, okay. So for people wanting to go to cold weather destinations, um, who do you, I mean, are you going to take a family to go see the polar bears or is this something that you kind of, this is for couples or logistically, if how does really that work? Wealthy, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's expensive to go see the polar bears. So um, around town, there's really not, um, you know, it's a lot of people are, it's typically an older demographic, but there are, um, there are, there was, there was another bus. So for instance, you know, there's different levels of travel and mm-hmm. Churchill is incredibly small. So um, the, the Lazy Bear Lodge, which is the one with the tundra buggy and, and really nice, that was beautiful and a great experience. And it was the people we were with, it was an older demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were retired. And I, I think like 100% of the people had the Canadian goose like down jackets. Yep. Um, and then then we, we also on the tundra ran across another uh, tour company and they had like a an old school bus, which is which was you know a very different experience because you know school buses aren't as warm and ours had um, like a bathroom in the back. So you know there's different levels of things, but I would I did not see any children there except mm. for um, of the of the indigenous population. So gotcha. Now, um, what about mobility challenges? I imagine you didn't see a lot of people with scooters or anything of that nature yes definitely not a it is flatter than flat there okay so um in terms of that and you know i guess it depends on what your mobility issues are because um for me like at the time i was very healthy when i was going and just for your listeners i have like a disease in the lupus family that just Mm. like raised its ugly head like four years ago and so Mm. sometimes I have to use like a wheelchair and other assistive devices okay um and I if if I was able to go upstairs you don't need to do a lot of walking so I would say this would be a place where you could go if you had mobility challenges Mm -hmm. if you felt comfortable like getting up into the buses because then you sit down and watch the bears for you know, four hours. Mm-hmm. And when you walk around town, it's incredibly flat and it's not very big. So you could get around if you wanted to bring your scooter. Um, you could, although you fly like a prop plane um, there okay. because there's actually no way to get to Churchill except for there's no roads. It's only a railroad. Um, uh-huh. And then there's um, a prop plane. So um, yeah, it's a little bit crowded in, in that aspect, but Okay. These are good things to know. Um, now, mm-hmm. 
Now, what about, um, would you, okay, let me ask you this question for cold weather destinations. Have you seen the Northern Lights? I have. I've seen them in Minnesota, and then I also saw them when I was in Iceland. Um, ah. And it's always it's always so fun to see them, but I always, um, have you, have you seen the Northern Lights? I have not. I mean, that's not our destination, but again, we're kind of like, do I, do we want to get the children up in the middle of the night? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's unpleasant in the daytime trying to get them to do things they don't want to do. So, you know. yes. Well, when you, if you go to Iceland and do it, if you go in, like I was there in February mm-hmm. and, um, that was, that was perfect because it was like dark at four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> this is a good point. So they, yeah. So you could go there. Like, I think ours started at like seven thirty or eight, um, you know, and we were back, but it, I, one thing I always think that's funny about the Northern lights is, you know, when you see the pictures, they're so vibrant and beautiful, but mm-hmm. a lot of times when you actually see them in real life, it's just kind of these fleeting colors. It, it's like really magical, but it's nothing like, the pictures that have been enhanced or like um, time unless, elapsed. So you don't know yeah. over what period of time that streak went across the sky. Mm-hmm. And it, and it might like, it's very rare that you have like such a strong storm coming in that they're going to be really bright. Yeah. So a lot of times it's just really mystical and it's really fun. Yeah. So uh tangent, I just flew in and out of Reykjavik twice as a layover to going to uh, the States. I just ah. went for my mom's birthday. Mom, happy 60th. I hope you were surprised. My mom screamed when I have a twin and she thought that I was my twin and she just like kissed me and moved on to like all the other, to say hello. And then she got to my, <laughs> got to my That's twin so and funny. whipped around and freaked out. And everyone knew that she had not recognized me because she expected me to be in England. Um, and it was, <laughs> That's so cute. yeah, it was perfect. So, um, but all that to say, Happy birthday, mom. And I did stop into Iceland twice and they, mm-hmm. they're they doing this neat thing right now. And I don't know how long it's been going because I've had, just just hasn't been on my radar, but now I would really like to go back. Um, well, I used to sell a lot of Iceland, but not recently. Excuse me. So I, um, you can, if you have a long layover, they'll hold your stuff and they'll, they do some sort of free day pass where I think they shuttle you into, you know, kind of the, the countryside or you can rent a car. Yes. Well, I think it's, I think it's the country of Iceland in general, but specifically on Iceland air. And, Mm -hmm. um, one of the gals I sat with, she did it. She rented a car and she said she could, she drove for hours and hours and, and it was amazing. But flying over Iceland is just seeing it is incredible the texture and you know mm-hmm. the steaming hot pools and the craters um i would really like to go back there and little known fact their chocolate is delicious so if you end up in the Reykjavik airport grab some icelandic chocolate so oh yeah because it's not as sweet is am i remembering this correctly well i got the one that had the salted caramel bits in it so oh mine might yeah. not have been fair but most of it was like 40 to 70 percent cocoa so yeah and also they had this like seaweed liquor that i just couldn't buy myself to to purchase but um yeah but anyway iceland is iceland's on the list okay so we talked a lot about the polar bears we talked a lot well not we talked briefly about the northern lights what about um have we covered your most memorable experience is there another memorable experience you would like to talk to talk about 
for cold weather trips? Well, you know, so there's kind of two, so I'll go over them a lot quicker than I did my polar bear experience. All right. um, So Alaska, when I went to Alaska, I've gone twice now. um, And the first time I went, we just rented a car and we were backpacking. We didn't really have a a plan. And it was, it was so beautiful and wonderful. I'd never seen, um, I'd lived out West and I'd backpacked um, for a job. I worked with um, youth in wilderness therapy for a little bit. And oh, interesting. So I'd, I, yeah, I'd seen a lot of, you know, BLM land and big, expansive, um, scenic, mm-hmm. out west landscapes. But when I went to Alaska, it's just a totally different level. And so, like, driving through it, it would be like, oh, it, it's just so large, you can't even wrap your head around it. Yeah. Um, so then we were like, well, you know, do we want to see um, – what do we want to see? And then we decided we'd go see, um, we go to Wrangell St. Elias, which is the largest national park hmm. in the U.S., but hmm. it's not very well known or visited. And it it turns out it's this, there's this beautifully preserved, if you're a history buff, mm-hmm. um, it is so beautiful and so amazing. So it's kind of the story behind Kennecott is, um, it's this old mining town, I think in like maybe the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're used to, so to get the railroad out there was like impossible because they, it was the CRNW, like the can't run, never will is what they oh. like had nicknamed it. Mm. Um, but it, it goes over these huge gorges and it would wash out every spring and so they'd have to rebuild it, but it was it was incredibly profitable. But you can go through this town, and up until I think like the maybe late 1990s, there was a hand tram that you had to use to get into the town, or to the mining <laughs> town. Um, they built the bridge now, but um, a walking bridge. But it's a hand a tram, like uh, like you know, like you have to, the two people on either side. You have to pump the little train track. I think so. I didn't, it wasn't there when I was there. I'd read about it. So I, I was so intrigued by this town after I left it. Yeah. It, it, it's so, um, it's like you can feel the presence of the people there. Cause essentially what happened was the mine shut down mm. and like getting things out was really difficult. So mm. everything was like left. Oh gosh. And it's in the middle of nowhere. And so it's not like it's being looted and you know, where are you going to, it, I mean, it, it probably took us four hours on a dirt road off the quote-unquote main highway yeah. um, to get out there. And so, and the, the like, one of the mines is up on the very top, um, like, up on the mountain. And then there's, you know, you talk to locals and they t- tell stories about how they used to, like, cart up water and mm. take baths in the old um, cast iron bathtubs, like, clawfoot. <laughs> up there and that yeah. there's pool tables up there and all these different things. And it, it is just left and it's in, it's in really great shape. Um, so it's, it's, it's That's an amazing so place neat. to go. And when, yeah, when we went there in August for, I'm not sure if this is normal or not, but there was no one there. Like we had the place to ourselves, which is so different than if you were to go to Denali. And also a little bizarre, right? Yes, it was. It, it it felt like I stepped back in time. It was so fun. Yeah. My sister and I used to um, explore 
abandoned towns in New Mexico. Are you, are you familiar with, um, like, Philmont Scout Ranch or any of those mm-hmm. scout ranches? So Philmont has something like 170,000 acres or something. It's a Boy Scout Ranch, and there's something like a two-year wait to actually hike the property because they, you know, they're committed to not over, pop, you know, basically over-trekking it with people and whatever. And it's a zero-in, zero-out impact type place, and they have different levels of things. And we had an all-girl, mostly all-girl troop going through and it was um we had a lot of attention but it was a lot of fun and we mm-hmm. backpacked and backpacked and backpacked but my sister was a camp ranger out there for a while and so she uh we visited and we went to some abandoned graveyards and some abandoned mining towns and it's it's somewhat like that but not as well preserved but the buildings are just i mean there's very the, the sun is baking them but there's not a lot of weather to destroy them so they're just mm-hmm. there and um it's really eerie to be in them, but, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's, it was really neat to see like how people live that way. Um, mm-hmm. okay. So let's talk about, oh, sorry. So that was the first experience. Did you have a second one you wanted to talk about? Oh, the other one was Iceland and just, um, how you talked about. So we, I'd gone there for, I think it was maybe a week or a week and a half. Um, and I'd gone in February and which is nice because it's not overrun, you know, I don't mind cold weather, so it wasn't overrun with people. It was yeah. it was really beautiful, and you got to do a lot of um, soaking in the hot springs yes. uh, after like four o'clock. So, but one of the like highlights of that was um, taking it, again. It was a prop plane, but over the interior of Alaska. Okay, and it was it was so fun because you could see all the geological activity and the. Um, the different colors underneath the snow where there would be like a geyser or something in the middle of the mountains. And then you could see just this splash of rainbow of colors um, from, I'm not sure the chemicals or or I have no idea what causes it, but that was really, really fun. And we, and then we flew over to the, um, the east side of Iceland to the southeast side and went to a glacial lagoon which was gorgeous and had like little seals resting on the chunks of ice in the lagoon of the glacier. Yeah. It was so beautiful and black sand beaches with like chunks of ice. Um, so that it was so picturesque and the, the, the one tip for that is, uh, to, to take Dramamine before you go on the plane. Cause I was actually incredibly sick. Oh gosh. Um, Cause the thermals you would drop and raise like that. I have no idea. I, I didn't think I got like motion sickness, but yeah. I was so, so sick for it. <laughs> oh, good to know. Um, so what about, do you have a piece of cold weather gear that is your best favorite thing that you can't live without? Yes. Uh, so I, I'm not sure. So mukluks, which are, um, they're made in Ely, Minnesota, which mm. is um, the northern part of Minnesota. And it's, they're the warmest boots you could ever get. You know, you there's all the mass produced, like gimmicky, mm. like Columbia's Omni Heat or um, other types of boots. But mukluks, that's what Will Steger use, mm-hmm. um, uses. And so it's kind of their spokesperson. But they're moose hide on the bottom and I wear them all the time. Um, 
in the winters here in Minnesota and they, mm. I have the ones that go up to my knees so I can yes. like step into big piles of snow. And those are my go-to and they pack down actually really nicely because it's canvas um, for the top of them. And then it's moose hide on the bottom. So I they, did they, not know they're that. pretty flexible. I looked yeah, at them yesterday wonderful. actually. How about that? They are the warmest. I always have cold feet mm, and I too. could like hang out at the dog park with my dog for hours in the middle of February and sub-zero temperatures and my feet would be decent. So, Okay. This is interesting to know. I'm going to revisit that website um, because mm-hmm. I have the same problem and not that it's, it's never freezing here. Like almost literally, I think we had a couple of 24 degree weather days last year, but it's never freezing for very long. It's often moist, but it's not super cold. But I feel like once my body gets to once I get cold, it's hard for me to warm up again. And so mm-hmm. the best thing for me to do is it's, 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 def, it's foot protection for me. That's the best thing that I can do. And I, um, I walked through, uh, I think two pairs of Sorel boots last year, uh, because oh, wow. in Oxford, you just do a ton of walking. And I think that they're kind of meant to look good and be functional, but they're not meant for the amount mm-hmm. of walking that I do. So I actually just purchased a third pair because the price was right. So, um, but, uh, cause it's like a duck boot on the bottom, but it's also a riding boot. So it's like up to your knee with leather. And I ah. like that because it protects me, but they're not making that model anymore. So I thought I'm just going to buy it to have it because I, even though I walked through them, it, you know, it still wasn't like, it wasn't a welly. It was something a little classier mm. than a welly. So that's what I, anyway, we'll see how fast I walk through those. The next purchase will be a muckluck, I think. So Yeah, well, okay, so the thing to know about them is they're really great if you're not, like if you're walking on cement, like on the sidewalks and there's no snow. Mm-hmm. I learned this when I brought them to New York City to visit my family oh. in the middle of the winter. It, it actually, like, you know, they're meant for, um, they're meant for, like, walking on snow and, like, not on a, like, rigid, hard surface. Okay. And so they're painful if you're walking in Manhattan with them and you look okay. ridiculous. And you look FYI. ridiculous. It's so funny. Yeah. Some of them are pretty furry, but Hey, yeah, it gets the job done. All right. So let's talk about, um, do you have a most or best memorable meal as far as cold weather destinations? And my prediction is that you're going to say something surrounding seafood in Alaska. Seafood in Alaska is amazing. Immediately when you said this, my first thought was with, with Churchill, um, because you can't get in there, you know, except for through these prop planes and through this train Mm -hmm. and then the, the train tracks because of the, the frost, they oftentimes they'll close down because there's a frost heat. Sure. But anyhow, so it's hard to get vegetables or anything that's living in, into, uh, Churchill. So during my, yeah, so during my uh, tundra buggy, we got a free lunch with it, and I had ordered the vegetarian one. Oh no! And that was very memorable because it was like one strip of a, it was bread with like one strip of a red pepper on there, and like a pickle, <gasps> and I think there might have been like a piece of lettuce. Maybe it was. They tried. <laughs> don't yeah. Don't order vegetarian there. Bring your own if you're going to. So. Oh gosh. Um, it's something you don't think about. No, no, I had no idea until I, I saw my meager 
meager sandwich. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, you lost some weight that time. You're burning calories with all that cold anyway. So yeah. there you go. So Steph, um, you are not planning travel right now because you're working on host agency reviews, but you do know a lot of travel professionals and so do I that plan cold weather trips. So if someone had interest, they could contact one of us and we can point them in the right direction. But the question to ask the question is, um, what do you think is critical and the reason you would use a travel professional in order to plan a cold weather trip? And I have some ideas of what I want to say, but you know, you have done more of this type of travel than I have, so please tell us. Well, I, I I think the main reason for using an agent, just in general, whether it be cold weather or not, I mean, is the example of my crazy tender driver um, that you know showed up in a minivan, and you like with an agent, they're going to. Because their name is behind it, they're going to vet all the people. They're not going to just book someone nilly-willy that they found mm-hmm. on the interwebs. Yeah. Um, so that's, there's a lot of comfort in that, um, especially if, you know, usually cold weather destinations, if I'm looking at Alaska or, or um, Churchill, they're, you know, pretty remote. And so you want to know mm-hmm. that there's someone there to help you out. Yeah. Um, and, and and also with with if an agent loves the certain niche that they're working in, mm. um, they're going to travel to those places. And just like how I'm able to give a lot of tips on Churchill, like don't order the vegetarian sandwich or yep. different things. Um, when an agent goes on these familiarization trips or fam trips to these areas to check them out for clients, they're looking for things beyond experiencing it. They're looking for things that they're able to tell clients and point out to clients like they'll you know they can say listen if your budget isn't great we can put you on the tundra buggy that's actually a bus but know that there's no bathrooms and you're out there for five hours and you don't get lunch and um all these things like the amount of time it saves you versus looking on the web by yourself doing all this research not knowing if this is exactly the experience you're going to get Mm -hmm. and with an agent you're typically paying this you're using the same vendors um and you're not often paying an agent. Sometimes they'll have service fees or consultation fees, yep. um, but oftentimes they may not. And so for me, it just doesn't make financial sense um, to, to book it on your own when you can have essentially an assistant doing yeah. it for you. Yeah. And that's who my clients tend to be. My clients are people who are professionals and they don't have time to research it. And they also, they're like, I have a family. I don't want to put my children at risk, especially <laughs> maybe, you know, in a, in a situation that's a cult, like even in Iceland, which is not huge. And there, there are towns, it's not as remote as say Alaska, but the resources and the distance between resources, um, might not be, you know, they're not close together. You might not have appropriate cell service, those sort of things. Like it's good to have someone who has had firsthand knowledge and also, you know, wants to earn your business again, like they want to take care of you. They want you to be their client for life and they want to plan this to a T and make sure that you're taken care of. It's like having a travel mom. That's, I mean, that's what you're looking for or travel dad or bro, whatever you find, you know, whoever, but, um, yeah, good tips. Okay. So you are not currently selling travel you used to. You currently now are working on HAR, which is host agency reviews. Uh, we have in the past had Matthew Walgren offer to take 
people's questions if they were interested in becoming a travel agent. And on this podcast, a lot of times people are interested in it and that might be why they're listening. So can you give your uh, contact information or your your websites so that people can have a resource um, in, in addition to Matthew, which Matthew is, of course, welcome to open to talking to people. But if you wanted more information or kind of like maybe a process to go through, what can, what resources yeah. do you have for them? Well, so Host Agencies is kind of the go-to resource when people are looking to start a travel agency. If you Google, we often pull up on for a lot of different searches. But um, essentially, if you come to the site, there's something that's really great for people that are looking to join the industry. Um, we get about 60,000 visitors a month. So it's a really busy website and we get a lot of questions from people looking to learn about the industry. Mm-hmm. Um And so what we did was we set up something called the seven-day setup, which I'll warn you in advance uh, is we give you seven days worth of stuff, but it obviously is going to take you a little bit longer um, than seven days. Uh, So so don't actually think you're going to have an agency in seven days. But um, the seven-day setup on the site, if you go into the search bar and type it in, it's free. And every day we send out an email, like the first one is, thinking about walking you through what you want your niche to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, the example that I have on there is that I love cold weather destinations and I have a lot of friends that I'm connected in these circles and you kind of use that to find your niche. So we there's a lot of exercises and videos and different things um, to help you and guide you through. And then if you've never set up a business, we also do the walk you through the practicalities of it. So do you need to do an LLC or do you want a full prop? How do you set up a bank account? Do you need a business bank account? Um, Mm, And so it's very thorough. And if you're interested, definitely check it out. Um, Another thing you can do is you can check us out um, online. We're on Facebook or Twitter or um, Instagram, um, LinkedIn on host agents reviews. Otherwise my personal handle is I am Steph Lee, and then it's um, S-T-E-P-H-L-Y. So that's why I couldn't um, find you. I was trying to tag you, and something. I was like, "Why is?" I was like, "That is not her picture. It's somebody else." Nope, nope. It's an underwear model. A lot of the Steph Lee. <laughs> <laughs> she so was I like, "Who that- is this girl tagging me?" Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely reach out to us that way. Otherwise, you can email us at hello at host agency reviews and myself or um, any of the members on the team will get back to you. You know, what we do is we specialize in working with people on starting and then also growing their businesses. So, yep. And I will build a guest page for you. People can contact you through that page. We'll put all of your contact information up there. And oh, perfect. Yeah. So, Steph, do you have pictures that you would be able to share with us? Yes, I have so many great pictures of um, Kennecott and the mine and the interior of Alaska and mm. the polar bears where we got too close. Yeah. Um, so, do you have a picture of the van? I did. <laughs> I have a picture of the back of the man as he was staring off, not talking to us somewhere, but um, uh. <laughs> no, there's a van, unfortunately. <laughs> Listen. Folks, if you find yourself in this kind of situation, take a picture of the license plate, please, and send it to someone close to you. That's all I got to say about that. I think the best advice is if someone pulls up at your hotel in a minivan, maybe they're sleeping or not, and it's kind of dented and looks like it might break down anywhere, don't get in the car. That'll just really save you a lot of heartache. 
Good advice. Ladies, good advice for dating. The end. <laughs> <laughs>